Welcome to Dynasty Theory, your source for everything Dynasty fantasy football. With your host, John Bauer. I'm looking to sell everybody price-dependent. Dan LaMagna. Too much dysfunction in Cleveland. And Mitch Sorensen. Well, it's hard to compete with excellence. Welcome back to another episode of Dynasty Theory, a proud member of the Ross Tucker Football Podcast Network. I'm your host, John Bauer. You can find me on Twitter at the Bauer Club. And of course, I'm joined by Dan LaMagna. That is at FF Coach Dan on Twitter. What's going on, Dan? JB, great to be back with you here tonight, man. And, uh, you know, we're on the week eight dynasty football season roller coaster COVID ride that it's been. And, uh, Ready to keep grinding, man. I'm still recovering a little bit from the DAC injury there. You know, the the, the win percentage was a little bit lower this week, but we're, we're navigating through it. Understandable. I'm actually surprised. You coped with that pretty well. You really did. And of all players to go down, we never want an injury on anybody, but for you, especially Dak Prescott, because your fandom, your 88% of your dynasty rosters, it hit you hard. You know, it did hit me hard because I was on like this like imaginary cloud nine for you know five and a half weeks of the season until he went down there and was you know like every year there's those one or two guys you draft that hit big and could carry a roster and to that point Dak was that guy but in Dynasty John you know you and me Mitch we're always able to adapt and adjust and I'm able to do that. The fandom part, buddy, I have some friends busting me, and they're, they're like sending me messages today that they feel bad for me because it's not even fun anymore. Like the, the team part is, is in it's in ruins, but I don't take that to the show. No, and that's something. Mitch and I, we, we were giving you a hard time whenever the Cowboys were somewhat healthy. Now, like, just like you said, I, we're not going to bust your chops about it. I mean, it is what it is. You're feeling it enough. But you talked about adapting and adjusting. If you're watching live on YouTube and if you're listening to the podcast feed, we're a few minutes in, and I did not introduce our man, Mitch Sorensen. We have a special release time today at 630 and Mitch still at work. He's critical to the state of Utah, as we always say. But later tonight, he is going to be on the Open Bar podcast with Jay, Mike, and Gabe. So if you're uh, hanging out tonight, go check that out. I'm sure it's going to be a great time. But we asked Mitch, we said, hey, you're only going to be on Dynasty Theory for a few minutes tonight. Do you mind if we bump up this time a little bit? And I, Dan, I told you that I'm going to be painting tonight. So maybe I should have kept the time as it was to get out of the painting. You know, that would have been this better strategic move for you, but you're a team player. You're helping the boss out at home, and, uh, you know, it shows how versatile we are. Mitch is doing nighttime pods. We, we were adjusting. We'll, we'll see how it goes for our listeners tonight at 630 Live, and no matter what, anyone can play back to podcast anytime. Yep. As always, we will be on Stitcher, Spotify, Podbean, iTunes, wherever you listen to podcasts. So we have a lot of things we want to get through tonight. And Dan, I said to you off the air, this could be a super quick show. It could drag on a little bit. I don't know where we're going to go with this. Um, I see a few people popping in here. Owen, as always, thank you, Owen, for, for dropping here in the chat. He made a trade for Dak today from a contender. He gave up Lamar, Juju, and a third for Dak. DK, a first and a second. If you're not contending, I love that. I absolutely love that. Yeah, the, the, the difference, you know, Dak's going to be back and fine next year. So, hey, you swap star quarterbacks, you know, even if Lamar has a slight edge. But the difference now between Metcalf and Juju, and you're getting it first, beautiful. No, that's an absolute steal. So, Owen, well done. And then Jeff from Ireland, all the way from Ireland. Uh, happier with the earlier showtime. That makes sense. What five hour difference somewhere around there. So he has a top two pick next year. He has Mahomes and Tua currently at quarterback. 
would we draft Lawrence or Fields or go running back? And then he also has Swift and Dobbins on the roster. I'm going to save that question just because we are going to get into a little bit of 2020 rookie draft talk. So let's hang on to that, Jeff, but we are going to get to it. So like I said, we open this up to listener questions on Twitter. People drop some things in there, but some, some things just popped up that we wanted to talk about. And one comment that we got from somebody, it had to do with taxi squad issues. And Dan, this happens in every league that we're in that has taxi squads. A manager, they're keeping uh, Justin Herbert on their taxi squad. Clearly the best quarterback they have. That's the words of from the person that posted the tweet, not from me. But what are your thoughts there? Taxi squad, yes, you know, it's for first or second year players, depending on the language in your bylaws. But what do you think about somebody that keeps their top tier players? And I saw like with a Saquon Barkley a few years back. So what are your thoughts there? Mixed feelings. And I think, you know, looking at the show notes tonight, I think ultimately you're going to give the best advice on this question, John. But, you know, for me personally, in the the spirit in the game, the love of football, I hate seeing Justin Herbert on, on the taxi squad and those kind of guys. Put him up. But, you know, hey, if that is part of the strategy and based on depending what the the league rules are, if that helps you build your roster because you know you're still not ready to contend. Again, league rule dependent. We all know the rules going in. I think if you did have an issue with the rules, you need to address them with the commissioner before the season starts. So in general, JB, I see these things, and I know our group chats blow up sometimes. I just ignore them, and I'm like, all right, hey, whatever. We all know the rules. I'm a little more carefree. Maybe you get a little more fired up. JB, what do you think? Really quick, I'm laughing. Owen says, please don't help Jeff. We are in the same league. Uh, <laughs> Owen, I have to. I'm sorry, and we're going to get to it eventually. But if you, I'll give you my Venmo information or PayPal. If you want to shoot some money over, maybe we can give some bad advice on purpose. Some people this might a, say we don't have to give it on purpose. It just happens to come out that way. This is a bipartisan show. We, we, are, we are neutral. <laughs> we, are. we are Switzerland over here. Anyway, so taxi squads. I actually, I don't get as fired up as you might think, Dan. I know when you think of Dan, Mitch, and John, I'm the one that typically gets a little riled up, especially after a few seltzers, a few beers, a couple glasses of wine. But tonight with the earlier showtime, maybe it's just the water I'm drinking that I'm a little more relaxed tonight. But taxi squads, it needs to be clearly laid out in the bylaws. There are people, and we had somebody in our Dynasty Theory Listener League chat drop in, hey, there's a league I'm in. What do you guys think about that? Because uh, I'm being told I have to promote some players. And I have, I, they're not letting me keep them on there. They're rookies, they're second year players. And per the bylaws, it's allowed, but because they are one of my better assets, I'm being, I'm being asked to pull them up to my, my active roster to cover everybody's behinds. I think you need to make sure it's laid out. If you say first and second year players, it's first and second year players. If you say, first year players but if they put up more points than the players in your active roster fine um you gotta call them up if you want to have a taxi squad i don't know about you dan but i think just expand the regular roster just add if you want four uh taxi players just expand the roster by four it gives you the same amount of bench space the depth that you can acquire and then i think it covers you i I don't like the idea of a taxi squad but if you're able to make it work and walk around the rules a little bit, so be it. Yeah, most of the dynasty leagues that I've been getting in, J, 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 JB, 
I have too many friends with JP, JT. So anyway, J- JP messaged me today from Florida with this John Cena <laughs> Funko Pop that he got me. So I, I got to switch gears here. But JB, like my dynasty squads, where my taxi squads, where I normally have them. Again, I get in leagues a lot often because of relationships or a new format or a large prize money. Like there's something that intrigues me to that league. Yep. So if the taxi squad's already built in, it's like okay, I know there's a taxi squad. I've read the bylaws. But most of my guys on the on the taxi squads are the Ben Denucci's who I, I all of a sudden have to call up this week. Uh, my deep dive is even Andy Dalton might be dust. Um, so I'm going to call it Ben Denucci. I have like JJ Taylor of the Patriots. Like it's a deep dive and I'm just utilizing the taxi for those diamonds in the rough. You normally won't find a Justin Herbert on, on mine, but I mean, you and I both, one thing we both try to do in our dynasty leagues is, you know, show sportsmanship and, you know, not r- ruffle the feathers of the league. Cause we want good camaraderie in the league to be strong for years to come. There are leagues. And actually, since we're talking about Justin Herbert, it's perfect to bring him up. There's a league that I'm not contending. I- I'm not. And there is a taxi squad that I could demote Justin Herbert. He was never on there, so I'm able to put him back down there. It's just something I don't typically like to do. The only time I ever did that, and nobody nobody had any issue with it, I took over an orphan, and it was horrendous. I think it had one win the previous season. I completely blew it up, but I left certain players, and I can't remember exactly who it was, but I left them on the taxi squad. And they were higher tier players that were better than the garbage I was fielding. But again, nobody brought it up. Nobody had an issue. So it worked out well in that situation. But I think it can create a little bit of animosity and hostility in a league. And you can start to burn bridges, especially if the conversation escalates. So then it goes back to strategy and you got to figure out that fine line. Yeah, I'm helping my team out for next year's rookie draft. But am I burning a few bridges along the way? And it all goes back to strategy for me. It takes the fun out of it when, like, unless it's a clear part where it is a smart move to have him on your taxi. You know, if, if JB's competing for, you know, the top three, he's making sure he wants to get in the playoffs. And he Wait, needs is, that, is that JB, JP, or JT? That was a clear JB that time. Okay, okay. And I, I was, I'm, I'm back on track. So if JB needs me to defeat Mitch to get into the playoffs, it really stinks if Herbert's on my taxi squad and I'm trying to win with Andy Dalton, who you know is out for the week. Like, it just takes the fun out of the matchups week to week. So my bottom line would be rule of thumb, I'd rather have him up. And so just to close out the conversation taxi squad, I would prefer not to have one. If you do have one, have very clear-cut rules in place in the bylaws and make sure everybody's on the same page going into that first season. So then if anything pops up, hey, guys, we had this covered. And it's not going to be tolerated and you can just adjust there, but it's whenever you start to you know, bring in that subjectivity, it gets a little tricky. So that's just our thoughts on it. It was a good question and it comes up more than I think it should. But yeah, if you have taxi squads, definitely make sure you know the bylaws. This next one, and I really like this one because Dan, you know how much I tinker. I am a tinkering machine. <laughs> Even with the way my camera is set up for the show and Mitch yells at me. I'll send him like 10 different pictures and everyone is slightly so different. The camera is like this way that just a little bit. He's like, man, I can't tell the difference here, but I tinker with everything. But the question we got here and Dan, I was going to say, Dan, let's start with you. Cause I'm always used to bouncing between you and Mitch, but of course <laughs> we're going to start with you, Dan. How often should we be adjusting our dynasty rankings? What are your thoughts there? This is a really fun question. I thought we got tonight and you know, we never know what, the listeners want to hear and then every once in a while they spring us with a good one and i thought this was one of them so i did a little research before the show um you know just my personal opinion they should be 
updated weekly. So with, with that first initial thought in mind, I went to a few of the premium sites. I'm not going to name them here, but I went to like three different premium sites that I subscribed to and two of them updated them in a timely fashion on Thursday and Friday. It was like 22nd and 23rd. They're about a week in advance. You know, they, they do their research. As it gets closer to the weekend, you got to make decisions. They're updating them. But then there was one premium site that was not. They were relying on um, some input from their rankers. One ranker was, uh, you know, a couple weeks ago. The other was like a month ago. And to me, I think that's a site trying to be something they're not. Um, personally, I mean, we talk every week. Our, our, our takes, our values, they adjust. There's some things we we stand firm in. Um, my personal dynasty ranking, rankings, they're in my head, JB. Like, I just, you know, week to week that, you know, hey, Michael Gallup is not what he was week one. Juju Smith-Schuster, we were watching his value fluctuate. Yep, right behind us there. We put a little cover over Gallup. Um, you know, A.J. Brown, we watch out his stock being out for a long period of time to now being back and lighting Dynasty on fire. So to me, the answer is weekly. I, I think that's best practice. Uh, but, you know, we're, we're always reviewing. Now, what are your thoughts? Because it happens so many times. And I'm going to use uh, – it's going to get into one of the questions a little bit later. But I'm going to use your boy C.D. Lamb as an example. Or we could even say D.K. Metcalf. So both of them, two weeks ago, they were both in the conversation for the dynasty wide receiver one. And I think we may have brought this up on last week's show. So I don't want to dive too much into it from where we were two weeks ago, but people were talking about them as the dynasty wide receiver one overall. Now CD lamb is going through the quarterback injury. We saw the impact it has on that offense in general, but then DK Metcalf, he laid an egg, you know? Yeah. He had a few points this last week, but I'm assuming Dan, you did some DFS and I'm not sure if you had, Metcalf in your lineup, but it might have stung if you did. And now I think there's always that that line that we have to you don't want to cross over it where you adjust your rankings accordingly, maybe once a week, but we never want to overreact. And I think that's kind of the, the tricky part to look at this. So while you're adjusting your rankings on a weekly basis, do you ever think, ah, yeah, I think I maybe I uh, overcompensated on this player and you know. Do you ever think that there is that chance of overreaction or you see yourself doing it from time to time? Good question. And, and one quick comment before I specifically answer that. I proudly and profitably took Tyler Lockett over DK Metcalf in DFS this week. And that was go. very pro- very profitable. But, you know, not that I didn't like Metcalf. Uh, the, the guy's stellar. And I think one thing that gets kind of lost and in my DFS study and helps me in Dynasty in that I'm looking at matchups weekly. You know, Metcalf's a star that you're going to start every week no matter what in Dynasty. But when you do have a deep roster, and John, I know you have a couple of them where it's like, you know, you got some tough decisions some weeks. And there's some weeks where you're putting a very good player on your bench because of the decisions you have. So I look at matchups. And last week, I knew Lockett was going to eat based on the matchup in the slot. I mean, Arizona is getting crushed in the slot. So I just really knew it was going to be a, a Lockett game. So, you know. Did Matt was Metcalf off a little bit? Yeah, but he is, he's still a superstar. So my rankings in Dynasty aren't dropping Metcalf anywhere. I would gladly take him. Um, but it's more when we get a larger sample size. You know, when a Michael Gallup, and I hate to keep picking on my boy in the jersey behind you there, but it's just relevant in my mind right now because I have him in some rosters and I've got to make some decisions on how I use him. I think his future's bright. But I think he's not in a good place right now. And when you have three, four sample size weeks of low production, now he becomes matchup specific versus start him every week kind of play. 
And depending on who we're comparing in the rankings, he's going to drop a few slots in my dynasty rankings. And then we look at it the other way with Chase Claypool. I know there were people that bumped him up to the top 12 in wide receiver. And I saw the actual rankings that had him in the top 12. And it's really difficult. Like you said, let's see a little bit larger sample size. But even if you're not actively adjusting your rankings the way you do, the way I do, most of the time, like you said, it's in my head. We're looking at these players. We're looking at values in the matchups and everything. And then we can kind of look at it that way. But even if you don't adjust the rankings weekly, you need to be very conscious of the perceived value in your leagues and in the market. So every market's going to be different. Every league is going to have its own little sub market. And when you look at your league and you know, okay, they value wide receivers a certain way, or you see, Dan, I see you on Twitter. CD lamb is my wide receiver one overall. And you come to acquire CD lamb off of me. You know that you're not getting him at the current face value. I, I, I know how you value him. And I think it's very important to keep your finger on the pulse of, of the market in your league. And while you might have, we'll keep saying CD Lamb, you have CD Lamb as wide receiver eight in Dynasty, but you know most of the community might be higher. I think that's when you really need to adjust. I think the biggest thing is whenever you're selling at a discount because of what we've seen over one or two weeks. Um, you know, one example, warranted or not, is Mike Evans. Yes, Antonio Brown's coming back or coming back. He's he's joining the wide receiver core there. Chris Godwin broken finger so maybe that helps Evans out a little bit we've seen the splits between Evans whenever Godwin is there and he's not there but I think it's very important to not overreact and I say that and then I, I look at a certain player and I'm like oh I gotta pop him up 20 spots in my rankings because of that one catch last week and we all do it to an extent and obviously that's a little bit of an exaggeration but if a player does well, you don't want to bump them up significantly, but definitely keep your eye on the values because they're constantly changing. And Dan, I told you, and I told Mitch, I said, every week I'm going to do a Jonathan Taylor or Clyde Edwards, a layer pole. And I stopped that after like three weeks, I think, but just the, the constant shift and the changes and the adjustments, things are constantly changing. I think it's very important for people to understand that. Yeah. One thing I'd add, John, is it depends how our listeners are using those rankings. You know, I'm glad you brought up Chase Claypool because everyone seemed to forget about Deontay Johnson. And that was another profitable DFS play for me this week. Or if I was in Dynasty and I saw he was hurt and maybe that's the time to buy because the stock was down a little bit. Um, you know, my memory of Deontay Johnson is when he played, he was Ben's guy. Like he mm -hmm. was the man. So I expected him to go back to that this week you know my only concern in dynasty for Deontay Johnson is long-term staying healthy but he he's impressive on film he's getting the targets and you see how Claypool's role changed you know he didn't get as many uh you know snaps there he was playing a little more special teams so that that's where I think the coach in me comes out and it really helps because I'm trying to think of okay how is coach Tomlin in that offense going to adjust this week with Deontay Johnson coming back and for me, the biggest question is, where's Juju still landing in this? He's the one I think we're all trying to figure out long term what's going on with Juju. But for our listeners, like my rankings, to me, I don't really look at rankings much in Dynasty. Again, they're, they're primarily in my head. There will be certain times if I'm making a trade with John or someone in my league where like I'll, I'll feel like I'm high or low on a certain guy. And I will look at consensus just to see if I'm like, off base or where I'm at. So that's when it's good to look at other rankings online. So I think it should be weekly because when that time comes where you do look at them, 
you know, I think a service is doing you an injustice if they're not keeping their content up to date. And one thing, last thing I want to talk about here with the changing dynasty rankings, I don't think we see it at this point now. We've seen seven weeks, but how often, especially during the off season, Dan, it's three months after a startup. Let's say we did a startup in April or May, whenever, and you send a trade offer to somebody and they say, hey, Dan, you took that guy two rounds after I took player X. And it's even in the off season when perceived values are changing, we all have to adapt. And where you took a player in the startup, it doesn't matter. What you paid to acquire a player after week two, it doesn't matter anymore. So I, I've seen, I actually got a response and I, I forget what player it was involving, but they were very candid and they said, John, I, I can't, that's a fair offer, but because of what I paid for him, I can't trade him for that. And I wish I could remember the specific player, but it's like the whole uh, sunk cost fallacy and, and getting into that a little bit, but things are constantly changing. Sometimes you have to be willing to eat the, the value that you, you paid. Most certainly. Cause if I paid for something way back when it, you know, it really depends on, Hey, what is that value now? You know, it, just because it's low now, if I still think he's going to meet that value that I paid for him, then maybe I am telling you that, John. i be like, you know what? I still believe in him. I'm going to stick it through. But the reason I'm not going to trade you is not going to be because of what I paid back then. It's because right. I, I still think the guy's going to be great. You know, the C.D. Lambs and Jerry Judys, I think they're going to be great no matter what. The question is, you know, hey, what's their value now? You know, that's a little bit different with Dak to Dalton. That's a little bit different with a struggling Denver offense than – you know, again, I, I think they're going to pay dividends a little bit more in the future than now, but I'm, I'm not, I'm not selling. But anyway, that that long-winded answer from both of us for dynasty <laughs> rankings. If you're thinking about rankings from three weeks ago, it's outdated. You, you need to be moving quicker. That's how quickly, especially with how quickly information comes across. I, I look at my Twitter feed and you, news, news, news. Uh, you know, it, it's constant. And we have to be able to adjust quickly. So uh, we could probably John, do. John, it's like that carton of milk in your fridge, man. Once that expiration date goes, move on. All right. You're not, you're not drinking that milk anymore. You don't want to drink the chunky milk. <laughs> no chunky milk on your dynasty rosters. If you did, if you learned anything tonight, no chunky milk. All right. So no chunky milk. Um, dynasty transparency. And this is something that Scott Connor commented on the tweet. And he and I, we've had some great conversations and we both, talked about transparency and Dan, you saw this on the show sheet. You're like, JB, what the heck are you saying? What do you mean dynasty transparency? And all we're saying is hold yourself accountable. If you come to us for information or opinions, because it's all opinions, very, uh, most of this is it's opinion based. And I think people understand that. And, but you know, being transparent every Tuesday, I put out a tweet and I'm, I'm retweeting an old tweet. So it's in a thread, but I say what my win rate was for the week, what, what I am on the season. And then what percent of my teams are seven and oh, six and one, five and two. And I'm just, I'm being very transparent. And if you come to us for advice and you see, Oh, JB has 75% of his rosters under 500. I don't know about this guy. I, I just think it's very important. And you know, you better believe that if we have a take that we are proud of or, or we really like throughout the offseason and it hits, you're going to hear about that too. I'm not one. I'm not too proud to take a victory lap because God knows if I have the opportunity, I can be a little bit obnoxious when it comes to that. 
but I'm also going to let you know when we miss. Maybe we put a comedic spin on it, but like Dan, Mitch and I bring up Keyshawn Vaughn. We're not going to let people forget that we whiffed massively seven weeks into his career. And, you know, people are going to have misses, but I think it's very important to be transparent as we are giving people advice and opinions. Yeah, these are the benefits of our Dynasty Theory listeners is the three of us. And I, I know how much time you, Mitch, and myself all put into our craft here and how much we love what we do. And, you know, their opinions, but their opinions with a lot of hours of, of work behind them because we love it. You know, it, we're, we're not, you know, making millions here by any means. <laughs> I, I don't know if we're making anything, John, but no, uh, hey, you, it's, hey, you, it you, is you, for the you, love you, of the game. You didn't get your cut of the couple million we made last month. I got to get you your check. I keep hope going in the mailbox, but it has not been there yet. So our, our listeners need to know it is for the love of the game. And, you know, obviously we're trying to win our dynasty leagues and fan redraft, whatever DFS, um, but it's authentic. And, and I hear that a lot. And I think a lot of the good people in the industry, you know, we're part of the Ross, Nuck, Ross Tucker football network. And, you know, I've met him in person. I've listened to his shows where, he, you know, he'll stumble on the podcast and he goes, I'm not going to edit this. You know what I'm getting. <laughs> you know, I think Adam Levitans often talks about being authentic. Here's a guy who's like a high roller in the industry, you know, come on with like a ripped T-shirt and a, you know, a dirty, stained, sweaty hat. And, you know, I, I think we fall from that mold. And whether it's fantasy football or in life, you, you've got to be yourself. And, you know, it's like the best advice you could ever get. And I think that's what we do. We're here about educating our listeners, growing our game, because we reevaluate every week. You know, so we bust each other when we get the Keyshawn Vons wrong. But don't for a second believe we're not thinking about, okay, why? what got us to there and how do we do it different? And uh, I think we continue to evolve. So super important. Just be ourselves and keep learning. And I don't want to spend too much time on that, but I do think it's critical because you see all the time, Dan, people in a group chat, they'll remind you when they had that hit that they brought up a few months ago, but you never hear about their misses ever. And I think it's very important. And we're glad to share both. I think that, that that's a special thing there. And, you know, like Dynasty, we'll, we'll message each other in the group chats. Hey, how'd you do this week? And then we're we're pumped and we'll tell our listeners, hey, you know, I had a few 88% win rate, win weeks. I was crushing it with Dak. This week I was 500. You know, I'm looking at my gazillion rosters here and I see everything from a lot of three and four and four and threes to some seven and O's, you know, it's all over the place. Um, You know, DFS, I'll win a grand one week. I'll lose a grand the next week. You know, it's all about the process (laughs) and and getting through it. Your wife isn't listening to this, is she? I can edit that part out if I have to. Yeah, yeah, we might have to like beep, center it, some sound (laughs) effects or, you know. All right, so before we move on, we have a few questions in the chat. Dan, would you move Devontae Freeman, Devontae Parker, and Robert Woods for Aaron Jones? I would. Yeah, you know I love those bell cow running backs, and I feel Aaron Jones is that guy. He's a stud. I'll find a way to replace the others. Devontae Freeman's nothing but a pickup anyway. Parker has trouble staying healthy. I love Bobby Woods there, but for Aaron Jones, I'll make that move and better my team. I'm thinking even if it's a deeper league with larger starting requirements, if it's a 14-team super flex league where you have to start two tight ends, different things like that, different scenarios, there's no situation that I wouldn't make that move. So Inceptivus underscore one, I may have butchered that, but that's what you're getting. Uh, it, we, it, it's a fair deal, JP, J, JB, there I did it again. You did it again! Sorry, J, J, JP's coming home, man, you know, but I don't know. Anyway. He was the one that told me the Antonio Brown news going to Seattle. Somehow he went to Tampa Bay there. He changed course along the way. But uh, but for, for the person, 
Yeah, I always feel bad sometimes, John. It's like these people tell us these trades and we give them our opinion. I'm thinking, what if the other person on the other side of the trade is listening? You know, I don't, I don't like it is a fair offer. If you need wide receivers, that that's a good deal. So I don't, we don't want to lo- Inceptivist underscore one to lose his deal either because we're saying smash Aaron Jones. I actually, real quick, a story, and this has happened twice that I know of. I've had somebody DM me, no joke, within two minutes after I had the other trade partner send me the same thing. And the one day, uh, the second person sent me the question, and I said, uh, would you be acquiring Tyler Lockett and this guy? And he's like, how did you know that? I was like, oh, because so-and-so just asked me. And I tell them, like, we joke about it, but I say, I'm not going to give either of you advice on this one just because, <laughs> I, you know. Um, okay, so Brian, I'm a contender. I've oh, got to slide up here. I'm a contender looking for a quarterback. It is a super flex PPR, Dan. Would you trade away Dak for Matt Ryan a second and a third? Is that too big of a drop-off for you? Yeah, I'm not losing Dak. I think we talked about it a few weeks ago in Dynasty Theory where there was about seven elite quarterbacks that I would trade Dak for. And we all know everybody on the show, you see him behind me. I'm a Dak homer, but I have traded him, I think, in three of my Dynasty leagues. Yes, I do have a box of tissues and a Dallas Cowboy tissue box holder that every time I trade him, I've got to sink into my supply. But um, Matt Ryan is not one of the quarterbacks. And I thought, I like Matty Ryan. Believe me, he has a role on your dynasty rosters. But I think come next year when Dak's back, is that second and third really going to be enough to make you happy with Matty, Matty Ice? Uh, let's tinker with that a little bit. What if it's Matt Ryan, a first and a second? Now, first, you're getting in, you're getting in the conversation, and I'm going to be evaluating the rosters a little bit more, how that impacts me this year. If I want to win now, I could use Matty Ryan. And believe me, I've got a couple rosters where I'm looking at Andy Dalton and that deplorable Cowboys offensive line where Matty Ice looks very good. So if you give me a first, at least now I got something stronger to fall back on next year where I'm going to get another building block for my team. And I love Matt Ryan. I have the Calvin Ridley jersey behind me. Coming into the season, I was all about Ryan, Julio, Calvin, but I I agree with Dan. I think that's too big of a drop off and I might be giving you more of the unbiased opinion than Dan, but I still think he's on the right track there. It's too big of a drop off for me. I would be looking more towards that, you know, maybe even that Carson Wentz territory, just a little bit ahead of Matt Ryan. But if we can get a first thrown in there, maybe, maybe we can talk then. All right. We have Sam in here, Dan. I actually think you're in this league. Would you move Tua for Mixon straight up? Super flex league. Wow, that's hard. Uh, and I, I love. I think we just last week talked about Tua and how I was starting to hop on that train there. Dan, so, we need for, we need an answer. Would you move Tua for Mixon straight up? No. Sam, see, so Sam and I we we were talking, and we had a few trades back and forth. And, you know, good conversations, good changes in values, you know, adjusting. Okay, we're going to add this, that. And you know me, I was going in with the four for four deal. We had eight players on the screen. I wanted to have that blockbuster. And I think we drilled it down to two for Mixon. And then the we didn't get the trade done before the week. And after that week, Tua gets named the starter heading in, you know, after the bye. And I, I had to do it. I said, you know, I, I'm going to want a little bit more. And I really hope that I'm getting – this trade right because you know dan how many leagues i'm in how many trade discussions i've been in so sam's probably sitting here thinking that's not at all how this went but i think it is and i'm going to stick with that story uh would you trade aaron Rodgers, travis fulgham in a 2022 first 
for Justin Jefferson, Drew Brees, and a 2023 third. And then uh, I, I'm going to try to pronounce this, Zhao Yang. Um, he is the tanking team and probably looking to trade Brees at the deadline. So Rodgers, Fulgham, 2022 first, or Jefferson, Brees, 2023 third. Yeah, I mean, if I think I'm going to get stuck with Drew Brees next year and that's going to put me in Superflex down to one quarterback, I would take Aaron Rodgers. Um, I'm starting to believe a little more in Fulgham. I'm actually in a league where in JB, you got him for a third round pick. I could have had him for a third round pick also. I declined it at the time and I'm, I'm regretting it a little bit. I have some more wide receiver depth in that league. So that's kind of why I held. I um, love Justin Jefferson, but I, I would lean Rodgers in a first. If I knew, if it was guaranteed, and of course this is unrealistic, if it was guaranteed that I could move Drew Brees and get a decent return, I, I think that's a price I'd be willing to pay with Justin for Je Justin Jefferson. Uh, Zhao, can you throw in who your other quarterbacks might be? And you no. could probably replace Justin Jefferson with that first, and then you have Aaron Rodgers. Right, there's, right. There's right. some nice receivers coming out next year. Right, right. Yeah, so I I just hate get, getting stuck with Drew Brees here because if you can't move him, this very well could be his last season. And I hate for players for their dynasty value to die on my roster. And one more question. Full PPR just got offered Ezekiel Elliott, Mike Evans, and T. Higgins for Christian McCaffrey. Uh, current running backs, Aaron Jones, Austin Eckler, CMC, and Antonio Gibson. Current wide receivers, Tyler Lockett, Calvin Ridley, and Claypool. So a lot going on there. But back to the trade, Dan. Zeke, Mike Evans, and T. Higgins for Christian McCaffrey. Yeah, this is fr fresh, sensitive, close to the core for me here. You know I traded Zeke today to Mitchell in a league for Derrick Henry. And some fab. And some fab. Got to get the fab thrown in there. Is that little something to go home and tell mom about? The This trade here, I would try just get a little bit extra in with McCaffrey. Um you know, T. Higgins is, is a rising star here. He, he seems to be coming to his own in Cincinnati. Mike Evans, I know everybody's concerned about right now, but I'm not going to hop completely off that train yet and just give him away. Wait, really quick. Are you saying you want more on the CMC side? I, I, I would just counter trying to get a couple small pieces. and Nothing big, nothing that's going to tilt the trade, but I, I would try to get a little something else. Well, no, you, you have CMC. Would you move him for those yeah. pieces? So I just got offered Zeke Evans and Higgins. Yeah, I think I take it, JB. It gives you a lot of trade tools, and you still have an elite back. You know, the only thing, only concern I, I guess, even as Dallas thinks Zeke will still score for you, but he's not going to put up McCaffrey numbers this season. McCaffrey comes back healthy this week. He's getting ready to eat in that Carolina offense. So be mindful of that. So that's a big point. That's a big point. If you're going to win now and you're getting Zeke Evans and Higgins. I think you're losing because Dallas is in a terrible state. Mike Evans' situation is getting worse by the minute because he was struggling every time Godwin played, and now you throw in Antonio Brown. And I don't think Higgins is going to necessarily carry you. Like you're going to be giving up a 30-point guy in CMC weekly. There's no reason to think he's not going to be healthy in the man the rest of the way. So if you're contending, you're saying keep CMC. Otherwise, mm -hmm. let's go the package route here. Yep. All right, and then back to Zhao. Um, he has the pick that he'll get Trevor Lawrence or Justin Fields. I, I think I got that right. So maybe, maybe in that case, knowing that you have one of those players coming on, 
that, that that's a possibility. Maybe you do bring in Justin Jefferson. Yeah, I, I, I would like to see the entire roster there, but you know, I I think it's a I think it's a fair trade either way, I, and especially if you can ship off Drew Brees before the trade deadline. Um, and then we'll get to one more question here from Owen again. Can we see Zeke leaving Dallas to allow cap space for Dak? No, I think they trade Everson Griffin today. That's going to save him $6 million on the cap. It tells you Dallas is starting to pack it in. They also think Randy Gregory could replace him, but um, they've got some contracts they could restructure. I think the bigger question is going to be what they do with their offensive line long-term and in the draft. Uh, but uh, they're not, they have no plans of moving Zeke. All right. How do the rookie drafts? So this is a question that we got from somebody, and this could be – I like I said, with one of the other questions, this could be an entire show by itself. And we haven't really dug into the incoming rookies for the 2021 class. There's a lot of great people out there. They provide Devi content and that's definitely where you're going to want to go for, for more in-depth information, but just scraping the surface here, how do rookie drafts and tight end premium leagues usually go? And that, that was a question from somebody on Twitter. And I take part in a lot of 1.5 PPR for tight ends. 1.75 all the way up to two PPR and then leagues where you have to start two tight ends. And I'm thinking about this class. And when we go back and you look at like the Noah Fant, uh, TJ Hawkinson, and then this year, probably value wise, Kyle Pitts down in Florida. He has what? Seven touchdowns through three games. He's just been an absolute monster. And I think, people are probably going to slate him into that six to eight range in terms of dynasty tight end value. I don't think he's going to be that top tier yet, but I think people are going to be really excited about him. But I don't know about you, Dan, or, you know, if you can remember any of the rookie drafts you did whenever Fant and Hawkinson were coming out, but they were even in tight end premium, they were going later in the first still. Yeah, I, th I think I learned a lot from that draft, you know, from my our non-premium leagues to our premium leagues, watching where they went, depending on what your roster's need roster needs. But I, think, I just think historically, no matter what, it takes tight ends longer to develop. And Fant and Hawkinson went very high in the NFL draft. You know, Detroit and Denver invested a lot in them. We were high on them. And there was just still too many studs that you would rather have before them. I think that potential to get an elite running back always will trump it. A super flex elite quarterback is going to trump it. And then a, you know, depending on some of these really top tier receivers could also. But in tight end premium, again, if you need it, I, I'd be watching draft day. If, if, if you have the luxury of waiting to the draft to see where they go, you also hope it's in a very tight end friendly offense offense you know i think we're going to see pitts and that free free mooth of penn state i might have mangled his name there they're going to go in the first round of the nfl draft um so they've got they, their high caliber talent so just be be cautious not to pass up the next elite running back or uh quarterback i'm glad that you said the penn state tight ends last name because you know i, I butcher i still call him joe new smith I butcher the easiest of names. So I'm sure I would have butchered that. But there's probably nine, ten players, especially in super flex formats, you're still going to take above Kyle Pitts, who is the top tight end prospect. Everybody is just ooing and eyeing over him. Again, seven touchdowns in three games, really impressive. It'd even be more specific for the listener, JB, is, is, you know, you always put me to work, man. Why do you do that? You know, I get home from work and then I got to do this deep dive study. And like, you got me looking up rookie picks before I'm right, before we're even halfway through our league here. But, you know, going into 
whether I'm trading four picks or trading them, tight end has not been on my mind, even in tight end premium leagues. When I've been negotiating to maybe get a top pick, everyone wants Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields. You know, Trey Lance in North Dakota, a state who's in your notes, is two months ago was top 10 by Mel Kuyper. Uh, Mac Jones of Alabama stock rising. But I think Lawrence Fields and uh, Lance – that's what I was thinking before I even thought of tight end and premium. Travis Entienne, I like back to last year. Um, Harrison Hubbard at the running back position. And then when we talk receiver, I think Jamar Chase is the one that would even take clearly before a tight end premium guy. And there's a couple others that we'll be looking at. And I love Kyle's comment here in the chat. And even when you look at tight end premium leagues, we take part in a lot of the two PPR, a lot of those safe leagues. And there are some where I'm trying to stock up on – those higher end tight ends. I have a few leagues that I have the Kittle Kelsey combination and I, I just love the way those teams look, but Kyle makes a great point. I would just buy those tight ends a year later. Once the value comes down after a bad rookie season, because they all typically have them. And that's true. Noah Fant, TJ Hawkinson, that hype was real Detroit, Denver, just because of the draft capital, but also the way we thought they were going to be utilized and the opportunity there day one. And they, they were fine. The rookie season, you know, Hawkinson, he got injured fan. It was okay, but you could certainly get them for less in year two, even in a tight end premium league. So I, I love that sentiment, Kyle. And I think, I think a lot of people are on board there and that's why you look at these tight ends. They're going to slip down that draft board in these rookie drafts. I feel like Kyle was the voice of Mitch there, JB. I just feel like, you know, that was just a great point. I think that's something Mitch would say and agree to as well. Because think of how many times we have either traded or traded for easily Hawkinson or Fant, whereas those elite rookie receivers from these classes, they're a lot harder to get. No matter where, you know, even like a Jalen Rager right now is a little bit harder to get, and he's been hurt forever. Yep. And then Kyle says, Kyle has a shovel out. He's, he's looking, obviously he spent a little bit more time on the, next year's batch of rookies but hot take terrence marshall's the best wide receiver in next year's class you heard it here Thanks first you. now kyle if if that comes to fruition i'm gonna go back edit your name out and i'm definitely gonna be taking credit for that that take but no uh so kyle kyle says terrence marshall that's the guy in next year's class he's gonna he's gonna for mitch's job tonight jb that's what he's doing he's coming in with some hot takes there kyle we got you mitch it's okay <laughs> <laughs> the, the chat is filling in for Mitch here and I, I don't want to say the chat's doing a better job but they're, they're they're competing here they're competing all right so Dan this one is near and dear to your heart how much does the future of the Dallas Cowboys and let's look at this like the immediate future first how much does it impact CeeDee Lamb's dynasty value so like I said we talked about this previously on dynasty theory and CD Lamb, a lot of people they had him creeping up near that first overall spot. The the season he was having so far, a historic season. What are your thoughts now that he has to deal with Andy Dalton? Um, you know, at this point. Yeah, I, I think future, I'm not concerned at all. The talents there, I know da Dallas. Although they'll still be mired in dysfunction for 25 more years, we'll have competitive rosters and they'll get that offense back on track. You know, the only concern I have this year is it's going to be matchup specific. I was concerned about the Washington football team going into last weekend because the, their strength is their front seven. And right now, Dallas is playing four backup 
offensive linemen who are either rookies or should not be starting. Uh, so th- there are a lot of issues there. But I think there are times, even this year, Lamb will help you. The good news is he's in the slot. And sometimes you get some very favorable matchups and you got to get the ball out of your hands. That just didn't present itself against Washington. So I think this year, you, you know, now where I would start Lamb automatically, if I have the T.Y. Hiltons and A.J. Greens or whoever's still on my roster – Matchup specific. I know Hilton was probably a bad example, John, but I'm still holding hope. That's you know, why bi- I That's why bi- bye week, two weeks to prepare, JB. This is my hope. But there, there are going to be those certain guys that you may start over them. Long term, let me tell you what's going to happen. They're going to go into this offseason. They're probably going to draft an offensive lineman or help it through free agency. Tyron Smith's going to be back at left tackle, which I'm still concerned about him staying healthy, period. Lael Collins will be back at right tackle and be fine. Zach Martin's going to come back this year. He just had a concussion, so he will be back at right guard. The, the O-line is going to get better. Depth was a strength of theirs this year at one point, but it just got depleted so bad. But Lamb's going to be fine. Uh, Jeff dropped a question there. We'll get to it in a second. Just to keep on the C.D. Lamb train here. So my man Ben DiNucci from Pittsburgh Pine Richland. I went to North Hills, not very far away. And actually, Dan, I was trying to surprise you, but after some of these guys got drafted a little bit lower in the draft, a little bit later, if they had their DMs open, you know I have no shame. Ben DiNucci was one of the guys that I slid into his DMs, still waiting on that response six months later. But Ben, if you're listening to Dynasty Theory, you want to jump on and discuss this great opportunity you have with the Dallas Cowboys, let me know. But do you think anything changes with Mr. Danucci? Because uh, Andy Dolan, I mean, he got leveled last week. Yeah. And he's in concussion protocol. You have to assume he's out. Maybe you think uh, Ben Danucci just looks to get the ball out very quickly. Against Philadelphia this week, I would run. I, th- I think it could be another potential bloodbath. I mean, there are two teams that hate each other. My only hope is maybe a week of adjustments and Dallas being ticked off and that division rival. You know, in the NFC East, as bad as it is, no matter how bad a team is, they could always defeat the other one. But if that'll, if Zach Martin does not come back, I'd be really scared. If Zach Martin does come back, you know, you got that veteran in between the center and the right tackle that could at least provide a little bit more leadership hopefully Dallas can make some adjustments but I would really I I wouldn't put too much stock in it I I think you got to wait till that schedule softens up a a little bit and you know play lamb a little bit more in those matchups where the pass rush isn't so intense at this point right now as it stands Amari Cooper is the only one I would feel comfortable putting in my lineup I think he's going to demand the targets it seems like Andy Dalton he's been his go-to here in what one and a half games or two games or whatever it was, but uh, Michael Gallup, I if I have any other option, Gallup is on my bench, and I have a lot of shares of Michael Gallup. I really do. Um, CD Lamb, like you said, maybe this week could be a little bit rough. So I think for a weekly ranking, you have to drop him considerably. Yeah, and I, I think this week now Darius Slay plays Cooper. Now that you're getting my DFS mind on here a little bit, when he plays a top corner, that's normally when Lamb and Gallup were the guys to eat a little bit more. So I, I think Lamb will do better than like the the negative production we had last week and might get a little more targets. I'm also hoping Andy D- Dalton somehow clears concussion protocol. I know he looked terrible last week, but I mean, let's be honest. We've seen Cam Newton, Aaron Rodgers, Drew Brees. Like when the matchup's not good and your team faces a lot of injuries, even the best have some down weeks. I'm not saying Dalton's the best or in their class, but there's a lot more that goes into it on a weekly basis. 
All right, so looking at the other pieces, I know CD Lamb, the dynasty value. Long-term, I agree with you for the record, Dan. Long-term, this should have no impact. But we know that there is an opportunity, and it will present itself. If a contender has CD Lamb, that buy window, that cost to acquire, it's going to be there now, and you're going to get that discount. Because what I said a few weeks ago, CD Lamb and DK Metcalf, they're two players that if you're a rebuild, they're good for you. If you're a contender, they were good for you. Now, DK, sure, he's still good for the contenders, but CD Lamb, if you're contending, maybe there is an opportunity that you can acquire him at a discount. But I, I if you had to pick, all right, I, I'm putting the pressure on you. Just here in week eight, and you have one flex spot left. It's two PPR for tight ends. You have Dalton Schultz, Michael Gallup, and CD Lamb. You got to pick one. Those are your only options. Who do you put in? If it's two point premium, I there's a good chance I'm going to lean Dalton Schultz as painful as that is. Again, you know I'm going to analyze like I do DFS the lineups. I'm going to see who the corners are going against Lamb. You know, if it's some soft team where they destroy the slot, then that may change. But if if, if all things are equal or the matchup's not good, I would go Dalton Schultz. Tight end premium. I- and I have Dalton on a few rosters. I, I really thought this was going to be the Blake Jarwin year. I thought he was going to go off, but he had the injury early. Uh, Kyle says, Cowboys equal dysfunctional, e- equal somehow screw up land, lamb. Dan, I'm, I'm sorry, but you got to throw that D word, dysfunctional. The, the dysfunctional Dallas Cowboys, it's there. It is, it is. And you know, hey, where dysfunction comes in, if I have an elite slot t- wide receiver and it's between Lamb and Justin Jefferson, maybe, like a, a, a team that's not dysfunctional, you know, it might tilt the scale for me. But Dallas is going to score points. Their their dysfunction is just they're going to lose. It's just unfortunately from a guy that has a lot of Cowboys on his roster, I'm like counting down to 2021 when Dak Prescott comes back and the O-line is fixed. So then they'll still be dysfunctional and, and maybe lose, but they'll do it scoring fantasy points. All right, so I want to get to Jeff's question before we hit our last talking point tonight. If you had the choice, who do you prefer at quarterback in Superflex Dynasty going forward? And Jeff, this is a great question because it's a conversation that I think everybody is having. So Dan, Joe Burrow, Tua, Herbert, how do you have them ordered right now? I'm going to stick with my original picks and Burrow, Tua, Herbert. I was going to say that should be easy for you. So if anybody, if they didn't check it out, was that last week's episode? We did the rookie draft redo and it, Rewind, it was a fun man. show. And I, I, I got to give that quick plug, but go back. We went through 18 rookie picks. We reevaluated with all the information we have now, where were we going to take them? And there were some pretty big shifts from all three of us. And it was an interesting conversation and kind of looking at where we are now on them. But yeah, Dan, took Burrow and Tua. I actually got Herbert at the 109. I was thrilled. I told Dan and Mitch, you guys blew it. You you let him slip to me there. But I think I go, oh man, I'm going to go Herbert, Burrow, Tua. Tua's got to be three just because we haven't seen him yet. It's not a significant drop. You know, I could see all of them in that eight to 13 or 14 range. I think they're all really close together. I know some people, they say Tua hasn't proven himself, but Burrow and Herbert, we've been down that road with Baker Mayfield. Fantastic his rookie season. And he was setting rookie records. And I just, I'm not going to drop Tua because we haven't seen him when we've seen Burrow and Herbert, such a limited sample size. 
this is a special class. And I think what to your take of looking at Herbert, see that this, this does take me a dysfunction because where I think Tua could surpass them all is the Miami Dolphins, the direction that organization's trending in. If they keep building each offseason with the free agents, like that team is playing. They're balling out for Coach Flores with not a lot of talent last year, this year with Fitzmagic. And I, I think if that organization keeps trending right, they could be building something special. The Chargers, I think based on what we're seeing right now and that connection with Keenan Allen, Herbert looks attractive, JB, so that makes a lot of sense. But what I get concerned about a little bit is if they don't play weak teams, they find a way to lose games. And I can see the head coach and coaching staff getting fired in the next couple of years. And then, then we got to see, you know, what direction do the Chargers go in? And then the Bengals are the Bengals, man. They're like the Bungles. Like, I, I just – that's my only fear there is the history of that organization. But, boy, that kid looks talented. Yeah, I, I don't know if you can go wrong, and I hate to be wishy-washy, and I my, my go-to saying whenever I think two players are really close together, I'm not going to argue with you, Dan, if you take Burrow over Herbert. Of course, when we did our rookie read, uh, rookie draft redo, I love the value that you guys let Herbert slip down to me ninth overall, but when you look at these three, if you went out and said Joe Burrow is my 101 out of those three, I wouldn't argue with you. The only one that I would have an issue with today is Tua, but we see couple games from him maybe he does bump up a spot or two so it's i think all three are just going to be fantastic great conversation that you know we're going to be having for some time to come and hey like we talked about dynasty rankings earlier in the show they change you update them weekly we're going to be watching Tua closely yeah i just think with the the ceiling we've seen from herbert and i mean but again i'm kind of talking myself through this now burrow (laughs) really isn't that far behind and even though the chargers offensive line isn't incredible it's better than what the Bengals have to offer. But yeah, I'll go Herbert Burrow Tua. ask me next week. That might be flipped and flopped in every direction. Last thing we want to talk about, and Dan, th- this is a really good question for you because, and, and me too, but I think we have some teams that fit this category. So somebody wants to know, what are the pros and cons of a team that continues to win, but they have a glaring hole? So do you, do you make the move to fix that position or do you leave it as is until crap hits the fan yeah i felt when reading the show note that i have an answer i'm just worried that it's maybe too simplistic jb and you could give your analysis on that my answer is you fix it if possible as soon as possible because none of us want to have a glaring hole and we, we've right. talked in recent weeks about our roster management whether you're seven and oh or whatever your record is i mean we talk about that DAC injury one injury shifted a lot of my rosters so i'm not going to take anything for granted but also, I think you wait it out to get the best deal if you have to. It's because you have that glaring hole. If you if you keep winning, okay, I'm not going to panic just because I have a glaring hole and let some owner take advantage of me, and then that trade still bites me later on. So you may have to be patient. I think my general philosophy is each week, no matter what, whether you're 7-0, and 0-7, have one or two glaring holes, you want to improve your roster. So through free agency and injuries – that impacts the assets you have to trade in a week or two from now. And it also impacts other teams' needs based on what they have. So the trade market in one week is not necessarily the same as another. So fix that glaring hole as soon as you can, but don't be hasty because a lot of things change week to week. I made this analogy. and I, I It was a guest spot. and I, It might have been with Scott Connor, but I said, you know, some of the trades that people make, and actually it might have been on Dynasty Theory. I don't know what the heck. I don't even know what day it is anymore. But those cartoons where somebody was in a, in a, like a little boat 
and there was a hole and water was coming up and they had to plug that hole and then water was coming up here and they had to plug <laughs> it there and they're, they're using anything they can to plug that hole. That's kind of what we're seeing here with a lot of these teams where if you lost a Dak, if you lost a Barkley, a CMC, that's where the water's coming up and you, you gotta, you gotta stop that, that water from coming in, but now you created another hole. And I think it's very important that you, you could take a position of strength and I'm looking at a roster. There's a co-managed team that I have with Mitch. We made a trade earlier today and Dan, are you in this league? You're in this league. You're second place right now. I don't want to make your head too big. It's the heirloom. Yes. And yes. Very competitively. So we have Devonte Adams, Keenan Allen, Mike Evans, Kenny Galladay, Calvin Ridley. It's a two PPR for tight ends. Our starting tight end was Cameron Brait. So while we didn't want to, and Calvin, you're back there. Cover your ears, please. We move Calvin Ridley for Darren Waller straight up. Now, while I love Calvin Ridley, we had that glaring hole where Darren Waller in this setting, he's averaging 22 points a game. Cameron Bree averaging four points per game. So we're picking up a big difference there. And then we have some other wide receivers we can plug in. But we thought we were strong enough. Now, if you're dropping down to three starting wide receivers, three higher profile receivers, and you have to start three, I would advise against it just because now if you have an injury, you're looking to fill that right there. And it's just, it's a constant cycle. So I think you have to be very careful. But Dan, like you said, it is very simple. I think you have to look to fix it sooner rather than later. Because what happens if you're in a league and Dan, you saw this, you saw it countless times. You have Dak Prescott. Now you're down to one viable quarterback option. You know the trade offers that you got, whether it involved Dak or other pieces. People see that you are crippled and they try to take advantage of that and you're not going to move somebody to discount. I saw uh, somebody that's in a few leagues with me pop in the chat earlier, Brett, and we're in year three of one of our dynasty leagues. Year one, I, I got on him. I said, Brett, it's super flex. You got to get your quarterbacks, got to get them. And he didn't get them. And in the chat, we would constantly be going at each other, mostly playful banter. Sometimes I think it got a little, uh, little ferocious, if you will. You know, me hot-headed over here. But you you, you can't, you know, where, I don't even know. Where, where was I going with that story? I'm all lost. You, know, you were filling holes in ships, JB. And, and I, I, th I think your Waller-Ridley <laughs> analogy trade was the best. Because if you go back and listen to our DAC episode, you'll get a lot of takes on filling holes in ships and trades and, and, you know, not to settle and how to not, you know, put yourself in a hole. But the Darren Waller trade, I thought was a great one for you guys. And it was a great one for Beck. Oh, we got a TO here. Yes, sir. Time out. It came back to me. Anyway, um, people were trying to make, he was getting offers to get a quarterback and it was driving me nuts. You see that he is, he's in a terrible situation at quarterback. Don't give him any friends and family discount, make him pay. <laughs> and that's where I was going with it. You know, I go on these rants and I ramble when I, halfway through. I'm like, I don't even know where I'm going, but anyway, yeah. Darren Waller, you like that trade. Sing my praises. Because what happens next year is you're not stuck. Like if that was John o. Smith, and you know I love John o. Smith, and I still do even though he's had a couple quiet weeks, There was that wouldn't be close for me. But I think the only tight ends that you would trade that would fill your hole in your, your ship but also had not have any regrets next year is Darren Waller, George Kittle, Travis Kelsey. Like outside of that, I don't even think you're talking. So you, you fill the hole without – 
mortgaging your house next year. Nice job. You're and you will miss really, you know that, but you're still deep at wide receiver. So, you know, your, your roster is still going to be strong. Yeah. Until Mike Evans completely disappears, Devonte Adams, knock on wood, he gets injured again. And now we're down to two starting receivers, but hopefully things we, we can, you know, the ship analogy that we keep writing the ship here. All right. Well, I, I didn't know how long we were going to go tonight, right on an hour here. And Dan, I know you'll be upset with me if I don't throw this over to you. Final thoughts. My favorite segment of the show always. We have the early show time tonight. We have Halloween coming up. Hopefully our rosters don't look too spooky and we're going to make it through. But Dan, what final thoughts do you have for our listeners? Uh, Just, you know, Mitch better come back and bring his A game next week, JB. I I think he's secretly trick-or-treating, you know, in the spirit of Halloween here. That might be why he's out and, you know, Kyle's here, you know, soliciting for his job so he better step up next week but my last final thought is for our listeners is man do not let up don't let like zoom fatigue or dynasty fatigue uh get in the way as we enter week eight whether you are competing for this year looking at next year or you don't know your rosters are in that 500 bubble i have some of them all right just improve your dynasty roster one week at a time and you'll be thankful later i can't believe we are heading into week eight i you know uh, not dynasty related, but in a few of the FFPC leagues, that regular season's 11 weeks. And I'm looking, we have four weeks left of that regular season. It is crazy how quickly this season has been going, but it's been a blast and it's been absolutely crazy. And we expected it to be this way. Um, but yeah, be able to adjust, be able to adapt. And this is the craziest season we've ever seen. And, and you have to be able to make moves to account for that as much as you can. I want to thank everybody for tuning in. Find us on Twitter and Instagram at Dynasty Theory FF. For Coach Dan, I'm John Bauer. Stay safe, be kind to each other, and have a great night. <laughs>